It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Narson. This show is supported by LeCole for a sad recap of Stage 3 of the Tour de France 2021 from Lorient to Pontivy. 183Ks. We knew it was going to be a... A bunch sprint. I told you on Instagram this morning it was going to be a quick and chaotic run into the finish. Benji told you in the preview that it was going to be a quick and dangerous run into the to the finish back last week, and that's exactly what we had in this stage. Unfortunately, uh, but yeah, it's it's a bit of a shame. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's a shame. We'll get into it. Break, Benji. Eat a shelling once again. Yes, indeed. He's shelling in the breakaway. He decided to uh, mop up all the KOM points. And take care of that. He's now back in the lead of that KOM jersey after Van der Poel took it by taking both the Britannia climbs yesterday. So it's officially in his hands now for the next, I think, three days, knowing that there's not too many points to gain tomorrow and the time trial as well coming up. So he's uh, looking fine in that. Love the guy. Hope he uh, keeps it for a while because he does deliver entertainment. And that's something I missed in the rest of the stage today because um, we had a crash very early on. Even before the intermediate sprint, Brian Thomas crashed and he seemed to be inattentive and falls down and takes out Hesink and was there other Jumbo riders involved? I think Kreisweig. Tony Martin. Kreisweig looked a bit banged up. Tony Martin as well. He definitely seemed cranky afterwards. I haven't seen any helicopter footage or the overhead shot of Thomas crash. It looks like you see, I think, Kvyatkovsky or an Ineos rider in front of him flare their elbows to warn of danger coming up being a... A speed bump, not a savage one, didn't look like. And Thomas goes over that speed bump and then promptly crashes, but you can't really yeah. see him too well. So not sure why he crashed definitively, but it certainly must have been inattention, not holding his bars properly, and he brings down Hairsink. So Thomas has crashed at Romandy, Dauphiné, and now the Tour de France bringing down riders behind him. I mean, it's not just being unlucky. He's either inattentive or a poor bike handler relative, obviously, to the other World Tour guys around him, or both a combination of those two things. And uh, he dislocated his shoulder, apparently. I think there were some yeah. semi-confirmed rumors or messages of that from the Ineos camp. You see the osteopath working on him on the side, gets it back in, gets back on the bike. Ineos drop half their team back, Van Baal, Rowe and co. Kvyatkovsky to pull for him, and he gets back. But I thought... I was like, Jumbo Visma should pull because, you know, he's crashed of his own accord. He's a GC threat. He's taken out Hessink, who had to abandon. He looked really banged up. Um, so if I was Jumbo Visma, I know they were probably reeling themselves, but an opportunity certainly to pull. And I think if I was Jumbo Visma, I would have paced mainly out of spite. Yeah, I get that. I think that I do get that. But on the other hand, you've got Thomas Arad, who has lost time already on Rue Britannia. Sure, is that worthy of putting your riders at the front, racing, knowing that you just lost Hasing. Tony Martin fell twice. Kreisweg fell. I think fell on the first day as well because his bike was broken, certainly, at the end of the stage. You've got Wout van Aert, Vingegaard, and Turnison left. Are you going to use Turnison to pace? Because you won't use Vingegaard and you won't use van Aert and you'll try and keep the others 
toned down a bit because they literally just crashed, I think, you know? Yeah, I get that. It's probably something that on the road, you know, they're like, oh, we'd probably be putting Tony under pressure ourselves uh, if if we start doing that. But anyway, Thomas crashed. He gets back eventually, but we're thinking not looking good for him. He's already lost time. Plus, now with a shoulder injury, how is he going to go on the Stage 5 TT holding position for, uh, what is it, 45 minutes? That's yeah. going to be difficult. Before we move on to... Uh, some more Edith Schelling action. Mention our show partner, LaCole. They produce performance cycling apparel that's made initially. If you're interested in picking up some LaCole kit during the tour, whether that's their new lightweight collection for summer or for races, their collaboration with McLaren, their Project Aero collection, you can use code LRTDF20, LRTDF20, all caps, which will get you 20% off all LaCole items, including items already discounted so and if you do buy let us know tell us on instagram and we'll have a look and, and reshare it as well we love seeing the fans of the lrcp getting the look hole kit but benji edith shelling did he pick up enough points in the uh yeah. into into the uh sprints of the k Rangers? Well, what's, his, what's his lead now no clue at all i think that his lead is currently a total of one point on van der poel so van der poel drops from that first spot indeed but i think after the k1 battle we, made, we basically looked towards the intermediate sprint to see what was going to happen there. Thomas, by that point, had already come back to the peloton with a lot of help from the team. They sent back Castro Viejo and uh, Roe as well. Uh, it took a tiny bit for that to happen, but they did set up a proper chase and they came back fairly quickly. Intermediate sprint time, breakaway takes a few points, but then it was time for the peloton to sprint and it was basically a carbon copy of the last one yesterday. We had... Cavendish being set up by Merku and being set up so well that Merku almost beats Cavendish on the line and Caleb Ewan on the right side of the road just honestly is playing this on easy difficulty these intermediate sprints he just flies past them on the last moment uses the draft until the last like 30 meters and then boom takes it like it's it's like he has it super easy winning these ones and at this point in the race I was like yeah Ewan's Ewan's got the green jersey under control if he continues this but that was unfortunately not for the rest of the stage because it was all about to go down. Like, I think that the breakaway got caught and that's where the action started because we spoke on the preview. I spoke on the initial preview podcast as well. The final of this race is extremely technical. Last seven kilometers, downhill. And narrow. the last kilometer, yeah, exactly. Very narrow, twisty turns in the descent. If you go with it, an insane speed there, crashes are going to happen. And then later on, you've got the final kilometer, like you mentioned, somewhat downhill. I think uh, I think it was like 1.2% or something. You need to know that the crash in the Tour de Polonia was at a 2% downhill gradient. So at a 1.2%, the speeds are going to be pretty insane as well. And there's that bend in the final section, the final sprint as well, that could make it really technical. But we saw a crash before those technical parts, and it was a bit odd, right? Well, there was. Uh, I thought initially they were trying to create a split Asgren because there was some crosswind. Mm -hmm. It was really just a battle for position. There wasn't too much crosswind action at all today. We saw Asgren moving up with Wout van Aert. Roglic was on Wout van Aert's wheel or close to it. He then gets spat out the back, loses Wout van Aert's wheel, and he's at the back of the group. Pagacha's got no teammates. Hague's at the front on Haller's wheel. Haller doing a really good job keeping him safe. Pagacha moves himself up in the wind during this point and then Roglic Wild Van Aert realizes Roglic is nowhere to be seen he goes back to the right hand side of the road gets Roglic back on the wheel and then 
two minutes later, Roglic is, you see, if you watch the overhead shot now, I don't have the exact kilometer reference for it. Roglic lets Wout van Aert's wheel go on the right-hand side of the road and is almost like talking to Alaphilippe in the green jersey. And it, it made it made no sense to me. And then he, he goes back, washing machine effect, back to the group. All of a sudden, Wout van Aert's at the front on the right-hand side. Roglic is deep left. It's getting narrower. He wants to move up to the front quickly. And in moving up to the front, he, I think, clips the back wheel of Colbrelli. He seems to get his front wheel on the on the wrong side of somebody and goes down and crashes to his left-hand side, luckily on the fat of his butt, but more into like a gravelly, it was like gravel that he crashed into. So not looking good for him. It was like the same place in Paranese where he um, sort of ripped up his shorts on the back of his left yeah. butt. So shame. Do you... People say that crashes happen, they're unlucky. Was that an avoidable one, Benji? Because I think it was. I think it is an avoidable one. It's one where he touches the wheel ahead of him. Surely you can have some inattentive moments in your career where you end up crashing because of that. So you can't blame a rider if this happens once in an entire career. We've had quite a few crashes from Roglic. So at this point, I'm not sure whether it's bad luck and so forth. But in the end, it's just unfortunate. And it's unfortunate for the race and... Then the chaos starts because they're down. We've got Rupama riders down. I think Armirai is waiting for Madua who fell. I didn't get that. Godu yes. wasn't there. So was I was Madua. super confused. And why Armirai is waiting for Madua then? No clue. But back to Roglic, we see everybody waiting of Yumbo. Every single rider. I think Martin waited a bit later. But everybody, except for Wout Fenard, who stays in the front group, Jonas Vingega might be up there in GC, but he has to wait because he is the designated person in the team to give his bike to Roglic if something goes wrong. They've got a similar size and size and bike. So that's why he has to wait despite being so far up. And then the chase begins. Crazy chase because at the front, they keep on pedaling. They're going straight into that descent in the final seven kilometers right now. And Roglic has to try and get back. An entire train of the group of Yumbo is set up behind and the peloton at the front starts splitting in two parts at that moment. So not only does Roglic have to reach the peloton group, have to reach the peloton that escaped from the peloton as well afterwards. Yeah, so this was an impossible <laughs> job to do. I know. They were never getting back to the front group and they were always then, once they got to the second group, kind of had to kind of go at their speed. Movistar also had, I think, don't quote me on it, Lopez caught behind as well in the Roglic group. I don't know that everyone, so many people were changing bikes. It was Lopez. Uh, so many people were changing bikes that, you know, the transponders weren't working. So we're, we're struggling to get accurate uh, measurements as we're recording straight afterwards. So Wingergaard, obviously I would have liked to have kept up there. It's like with Gagan Hart and Thomas in Mount Etna stage in the Giro last year. Uh, Ineos dropped everyone back except uh, Taylor Gagan Hart. We know how that ended, but maybe Benji, Maybe they've been they listened to us when we were probably drunk in October last year when the parkour came out and they are going for Wout Van Aert on GC because he's if he is going for GC he's in a magic position right now. But it may I mean again I'm nitpicking, but it's important just like in Parony Stage Eight, Turnison was pulling Roglic lost his wheel when they were trying to come back and Roglic was fighting the wind himself for a section there as well. So and then I think someone filled that gap. 
Hessink crashing by getting crashed out by Thomas obviously didn't help either. So terrible day for Yumbo, even though Wout had done a lot of work early protecting Roglic. And then we get into this really technical section where Roglic had been trying to get to the front. There's a series, there's like a left right corner, really sharp and narrow on this descent. These guys are hammering it. Maric goes on the front, the Slovenian national champ for Bahrain victorious. He goes super fast through this corner. And we just see the peloton explode behind him yeah. and see guys going into a ditch. I was hoping, I was looking down as a Bahrain rider, as tall guy. I was like, is it Fred Wright? It was Jack Haig. So, and he looked really badly hurt. Breaking news, he's uh, abandoning the Tour de France. Jeez. Right. So that's terrible. Hopefully he's, hopefully he's okay. Um, he looks so good. And I know Jack pretty well personally so it was pretty upsetting seeing him on the ground like that so i hope he's all right but yeah he's abandoned the tour de france and he was looking like he was going for a career best placement uh, maybe even a podium spot this year's tour so questions maybe for bahrain about pacing through that corner with morich when they weren't going for a sprinter but maybe he thought haig was on the wheel and it'd be all all right um but yeah, that, that that was a shame. Demar, any sprinters caught up? Was it just Demar the only sprinter Benji caught up in that crash? Demar was caught up, but also Cavendish was behind. Apparently, he crashed as well at, at a certain point in the race. I didn't see the crash of Cavendish myself, but he was in the group behind because of the crash that happened right there. And from that point onwards, it was chaos all over the road. Pogacar was caught behind because of the crash of Haig and was not in the front group anymore. We had a situation with a group with Carapaz at the front. I'm not sure Alaphilippe was in the front group, to be honest. I think he was. Yes, indeed. Alaphilippe, Carapaz were the two GC riders in the front group, unless you count Wout van Aert as well, which I, as a Belgian, would dare to do at this point. And then you've got the second group that was including a Quintana, for example, about a good 10 seconds behind, Vincenzo Nibli in that group, Enric Maas, Wilco Kelderman. So some GC riders there as well. And then another 15, 10 seconds towards the group that got caught up by the crash of Haig, which is the t- the the group with Pogacar, Uran, and so forth. And I think Higita as well. Chaos all over the road. And then, like, riders here and there. Pogacar has that group, but Roglic is not there. Despite Roglic coming back to another group earlier on, that was not the group that Pogacar was in when he got caught up. And Pogacar was, like, still 40 seconds ahead of Roglic at that point when that crash happened. So Roglic nowhere near at that point. So chaos everywhere, basically. And they were all still hammering it to the line because the descent was not ending yet. And at the front, we had Van der Poel taking over for the group of Alpecin because they still had Philipson, Merlier. They basically had a godlike team there. I think Ricard was still there as well. So their perfect lead-out train, I hate to say it, but... At the preview, I thought Merlier would win because of the lead-out in a technical area like this. I did not want it to happen like this, obviously. And we see that team just prepping it like a crazy to the last two kilometers, and the print, the sprint preparation started happening. Van der Poel was on the front in the yellow jersey. There was corners. He was practically dropping. Well, he was literally dropping Kwiatkowski on his wheel, off his wheel through those corners. I was like, are we going to see an MVDP attack? And this is such a small group at this point. We do have Sagan there, Ballerini's there instead of Cavendish, Merlier, Ewan. Uh, so we do have the majority of the sprinters. DSM had presented and then disappeared. I don't know what happened to Case Bowl. That's sort of what he does. 
I uh, came ended up coming eighth. But yeah, we do have most of the sprinters there, but everyone's out of position, and it's Alperson with MVP keeping Philipson and Merlier front three wheels, and that's pretty much they go into this last 250 meters. Philipson then starts to drop off Merlier through a right hand bend. Ewan's moved up to like fourth wheel on I think to Merlier, but then he. He tries to like shift up even more. He he goes up the inside of the barriers next to Sagan. They kind of lean on each other a little bit. I didn't. There's nothing in that at all. Sagan, they're just sort of counterbalancing each other because they're moving into a tight space. You and then either clips the front, the back wheel of Molière, or I don't know what happened. Maybe he went to lean back on Sagan and Sagan wasn't there. And his front wheel bucks him and he pretty much goes straight down over the front of the bike, takes out Sagan next to him, big crash. Sagan gets up straight away, which was great to see. He sort of crashed onto his bike and Ewan, so maybe it was a softer fall. Meanwhile, we see Merlier get dropped off the perfect lead out and just absolutely smokes everyone. And Philipson even comes second with Buani third, Bellarini fourth, Colbrelli fifth, Alaphilippe sixth. Lunderpole seventh, so three helpers in the top ten, then Bol, Turgis, and Volscheid tenth. So an absolute mess uh, in that finale. Apparently, according to De Gent, not confirmed, but he said Ewan, Ewan didn't get up and he, he said yeah. he broke his collarbone or something. So Ewan looks like an abandon. Yeah, well, I mean, as a Belgian, you, you, you kind of, it must have been bittersweet you seeing that finish, Benji. I don't really care who won that stage, to be honest. It, it hurts because, like, the execution of Alpecin is in perfection here. They're at the front at every moment. They evade all the crashes in a crazy parkour. They are where, where they need to be. And that obviously has some luck involved, but also the placing of their riders going into certain corners. They were at the front every single second, and they deliver it perfectly, that one, two. And, like, it's a wonderful performance. And this will not be remembered. What will re- be remembered is how the race happened and the losses in GC. And when it comes to the race, if we're losing Caleb Ewan here, Jack Haig, that's taking away from the race and that's taking away from the future stages of the race because now, now the roads are completely different. Green jersey is completely open right now. I don't know who can win green jersey right now unless I like look into it deeply. Cavendish could genuinely have better options at sprints at this point (laughs) i don't know ballerini it's sagan if he's okay i I don't know here's the revised gc standings we'll try and get it right despite they're all on different bikes so they got weird transponders vanderpool eight seconds ahead of alaphilippe carapaz jumps up 15 spots into third ineos ain't dead yet carapaz he just he's always like cat with nine lives he'll be he'll be there at the finish one would think 31 seconds behind Van der Poel, same time as Wath and Art. Kelderman on 38, Pogaccio on 39, so those guys are all tight. Maas and Quintana kept themselves safe. They're only nine seconds behind Carapaz in 6th and 7th, 7th uh, and 8th, and then Piero Tua Iguita. So the big losers of the day would be Roglic. He's at a minute 35, which yep. to Carapaz is a Yumbo minute. Yumbo in total. Yeah, Yumbo. Losing Kersink, not looking good. Roglic a minute and four back on Carapaz and a minute, uh, about a minute and 55 seconds. My math's getting worse. Vingegaard losing more time as well. Haig abandoned. GC, yeah, I guess Roglic is going to have to go on the offensive to gain that time back. Benji, I know we haven't really got any reports on his condition, but um, yeah, what do you think Ineos do now? <laughs> Where's Thomas? He's at a minute 07. He's not out of it. 
are Ineos back? They are. Like, they are simply back. Like, Bor took time on Roglic. I think he took time on Pogacar as well. Thomas took time on both after crashing today. I hope that Thomas's injury is not too bad and that it was just that dislocated shoulder that they say and that that heals itself in the coming days, hopefully. I don't, I'm not a medic. I don't have a clue how a, a dislocated shoulder will influence his time trial, for example, but I'm guessing it's not going to be too comfortable. Looking at who are the winners of today, yeah, Ineos and Julien Alaphilippe. Like, I think that Alaphilippe is looking better and better for this Tour de France and the more time he gains on the others, the more time he has to lose on the mountain stages. Yeah. Tomorrow's stage is supposed to be another sprint from Redon, Redon to Fourier. It's 150 kilometers long. It's not as technical to run in. Um, just some like long sweeping bends, not a downhill finish. Well, not like today either. So hopefully it's a bit safer. I know I'm 12 years old, but uh, I can't remember crashes of this severity and every day of the Tour de France it's well there wasn't yesterday but yeah this just just sucks it's just just really takes the fun out of it and that's us as a spectator these guys are breaking their bones and just luckily no one was seriously seriously hurt today from what we could see because that was a really high speed crash in that descent behind Morich uh, but yeah tune in tomorrow make sure you check out Wait. Benji's playthrough in the mornings and Benji's got some more news for you. I'm getting no, too depressed. I want to sign no, off. No, no, I'm no. so depressed about it, Benji. Okay. I know, Bring but us like, back. Bring us we got to look at it a bit, you know, because we have such a, such GC changes, and I do want to like look into what certain teams have to do. We're talking about Ineos and Thomas and so forth, but Carapaz is looking great as well right now. If his time trial of Tour de Swiss is the level that he's at, he's not going to lose too much time in the time trials. He's going to lose time, but he can save it. and. Right now, he might be looking very strong for a podium in this Tour de France. And what do we think about Movistar? Like, you have Enric Mas sitting in 7th in GC, Nairo Quintana in 8th. I don't consider Quintana the man that's going to win this Tour de France personally. Latour's looking good on that. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> he's, he's going for the green jersey, of course. Let's be real. Um, I, I, on jokes aside, I think Quintana should go for GC now. I think yeah, he should. Yeah. yeah. He's on a pro Conti team. People are crashing left, right, and center. Top five is even on this parkour that doesn't suit him. It's not delusional if he if he does have better legs in the mountains. So he's, I think he should go for GC until further notice at this point. Um, Jumbo, everything like depends on how injured Roglic is from yeah. this crash, right? Because like we can talk about Vanard being very close in GC, likely having an opportunity to take yellow on the time trial together with Alaphilippe, who can also try and do so. Together with Wilco Kaldemann, who probably will just run short to do so. We'll discuss all this time trial stuff at the end of tomorrow's stage. But I think that this stage will have a lot of influence on GC if we look back in two weeks and say, oh, this could have gone very differently if this didn't happen or something like that. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> Rolich losing a minute here. A minute between Rolich and Pagacha, like a, a minute between them and a road stage in the mountains, they're, they're not that different in level. So, that's a huge yeah. time gap for them. Yeah. And Roglic is banged up. He's going for scans apparently, hit his tailbone pretty hard. Uh, so I, I guess they had to drop Vingegaard back because of the bike thing. But 
yeah, it's all on Wow Fine Art now, it seems, for GC. If, unless Roglic does recover okay. I mean, he's still he's a fighter. He's incredibly resilient, uh, mentally so strong after adversity. But, yeah, you can't control if his body's too banged up. There's been a fair bit of criticism that's come out on Twitter, etc., uh, from the, the riders, firstly. They said they asked for the, the last 8Ks of the stage to be, uh, like the 8K rule to be applied for GC riders because of the concerns about the technicality of it. Mark Matteo said after watching today's stage, you know, it's he, don't, he wouldn't want his kid to do professional cycling. And I kind of agree. It's, it's just carnage. And I'm not sure actual cycling fans want to see that. I know the, the crash nope. on stage one went viral, but that's sort of perverse schadenfreude from weird people generally maybe watching that that don't normally watch cycling. No one enjoyed today. So, yeah. Any last thoughts, Benji? I think that I do want to give a quick shout out to our boys at the CPA for being so tone deaf with their tweet after the race. A compelling and dramatic final sees Merlier triumph in Pont TV. Stronger together. Hashtag we are the riders. Hashtag cycling. Hashtag CPA. It's good that La Flamme Rouge responded to that and called them out for that shit because... This is where they had to come in and stuff like this, parkours like this. People can say that Ewan Scratch is his own fault. Yes, indeed, but it would not have happened if there was no bend in the final sprint. The guidelines of the organizers literally say the words, there should not be a bend in the final sprint. And there was one here. And we've got a downhill run into the sprint, which is incredibly dangerous. 1.2% once again. Speeds go up a lot with that. And then you've got... All those corners in that descent in the last seven kilometers, this is this is a plain mistake from the stage design, in my opinion. And, like, yeah, it's it sucks. All right. We'll be back tomorrow with the recap of stage four. Hopefully it's a better stage. Thanks for the call for supporting the podcast. And we'll see you tomorrow. Ciao.